You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your weekend preview for the RSM Classic. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What up, Greg? Here we go. A little Friday night uh, Friday night recap. We got some interesting names up top. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, breaking it down. Oh, there are some names at the top of the leaderboard. Kyle Porter also here coming all the way from the Take Shed. What up, KP? I'm, I'm good. Uh, there's some interesting names missing the cut as well. So yeah. uh, maybe even some of our one and done guys. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to get to. Yeah, I don't know how else to put this into perspective, but uh, I was telling Greg before we went live here that like the amount of DraftKings lineups that got all six golfers through this week is less than 1%, which it's usually wow. like, you know, at least 10%. Like it's hard to do, but it is an absolute bloodbath. So a lot of the most popular golfers failing to make the cut this week. So that if that's any indication, that's that shows you where we're at this time. Um, also, Roberto Streb, Bob Streb, Robert Streb, Robbie Streb, whatever you want to call him, at the top of the leaderboard, 14 under and two shots clear of his closest chaser, Camilo Vijegas, Greg, we'll start with you. Uh, 65 at the Seaside course on Thursday, 63 at the Plantation course on Friday. No birdies and zero bogeys. A career low round of 63 here on Friday. It, he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of running away with it, right? It, this is like an impress. It, it, it's far from over, as we know, but you start to look at when you get to that number, you're you eliminate players. You start to eliminate other players on the leaderboard. And it, it's, you start doing some math. And if he just, he's in control. He's in that place where, um, where like Dustin Johnson got to during the masters on Sunday, where you take care of par fives and, and you're going to be really hard to catch. And that's kind of where Robert Streb has gotten to. You have, you don't, you don't have a lot of, um, a lot of guys really close. It's not really bunched and it's up to him now. So this is where, where pressure really starts to, um, to build. But you only, have, you only have six guys, I guess five other players, within four shots of the lead. So that's a, it's a pretty nice lead. That's it, incredible play. His last PGA Tour victory was, I'm, I'm double-checking to make sure I'm right, this event in 2014, well, it would have been 2015 season, 2014 year, I believe it was. That's his last... PGA tour victory. He has a corn fairy tour victory since then two years ago in 2018. But Kyle, I mean, this guy's got one top 10 finish in like his last 35 starts. Um, we've seen him pop up for time to times, but it is very few and far between. Yeah. He's actually got, I was looking at this three top tens over the last two years, two mm -hmm. of them are at the Barracuda and one is a corn fairy event. Yeah. So, you know, I know both courses aren't lasered. Only one of them is, but he gained like, I think five strokes putting on, on the course that's lasered. Yeah. Um, so long way to go. And he's got some, he's got some guys behind him that we'll talk about that are, 
hit the ball pretty well. You know, some some Burn Wiesberger, some Shane Lowry, you know, guys that are pretty far back. But again, these are very this is a very scorable course on the weekend. So um, I don't know that I would be. I like Bobby Streb, but I don't know that I would be writing for him to uh, to run away with this event. I love a good burned Wiesberger mention right at the top of the show. Before we get too far, you got to bring up the old burn. Uh, it is interesting, Greg. So we, we talked about this on the Monday show. The seaside course is the only one that has the shot link data. So what Kyle's referencing is Robert Streb gains 4.6 strokes putting on Thursday. That's one of the best rounds of his career. There's another guy we're going to talk about in a second who also had uh, quite a good putting day on Thursday, but I mean, he's, he's, Streb is who I'm referring to here playing the, the par fours at eight under this week. Uh, there's a lot of them out there and that's, that's a good way to get it done. Par four score. He also um, on the course, I get these two a, a little bit mixed up, but anyway, on the course, that's not laser. He hit mm-hmm. 17 of 18 greens. So, well, you, you know, you look at that putting number and it, it jumps off the page as you, and you say, well, okay, that may not be sustainable. Well, you have a guy that is hit, um, on the other course, he hits 10 of 14 fairways, 17 of 18 greens. It's a sign of somebody who's swinging really well. Um, the scores would, would absolutely indicate that you shoot 65, 63, something is, something's going well. Um, but go, going back to the, um, it's the seaside course, right? They're going back to the seaside course for the rest of the Correct. Week. So he'll, he'll be back there. And if you can take some of that momentum, um, into, into tomorrow, into the weekend, from a ball striking perspective, he's going to be in really good shape. Um, and the other thing that I'll be watching is what happens with the wind, because that round Thursday, if you shoot 65 out there on Thursday is, uh, is, is ridiculous, right? It, it's a really, really good round. He only made one bogey. The wind was howling. I mean, mm. Matt Wallace, who shared the lead said he had a five iron from 155 that still came up short. That's Matt Wallace. I mean, he's not necessarily a bomber, but that is howling wind. So if it's a little wet this weekend, the wind settles down. I, I think there'll be more scores out there. Um, and this thing's going to be up to uh, up to Robert, up to Bob here to uh, to decide what happens. Up to old Bobby Streb. Uh, his closest chaser, Camilo Vijegas, two shots back, opened with 64-66. Kyle, um, I... Can I'll speak for myself, but I think I can speak for everybody. I mean, this is the guy I want to win. Uh, I, I mean, here is a guy who uh, we know lost his daughter uh, less than two years old uh, in July to cancer. I, I mean, I can't imagine what the guy's going through trying to refocus on playing golf and now right in the hunt on a Friday in a PGA Tour event. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, and, and he's had... He hadn't had that many starts uh, this year or really even over the last few years. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, he's, he's really like, if you look at his career, it's, it's pretty good, you know. But, yeah, I mean, just the, the wake of something like that. And, and, you know, part of you is like not even really thinking about golf, but then the other part of you is like, it's kind of therapeutic to do your job and to, to try to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything that goes along with that, it'd be, it'd be a pretty, you know, golf, like winning a golf tournament doesn't um, mean much in the, in the grand scheme of things with uh, everything that he's gone through. But I think if you pulled anyone associated with the PGA tour or that covers it is on it, 
works for, I mean, whatever. I'd be surprised if you didn't get 100% of people rooting for Camilio Villegas this weekend. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, Greg, I don't even know what his status is. I mean, he's the 866th ranked player in the world. He's been playing a lot on the Corn Ferry Tour in the 2020 calendar year. He's played a bit on the PGA Tour here recently. Um, I, I do think Kyle brings up an interesting point. We've heard, we've actually heard other athletes say this at times, right? When they're dealing with a loss of a family member or a loved one, you know, playing a football game, playing a baseball game, the three hours uh, you're kind of removed from thinking about what's going on in your, in your life, it, it, almost an opportunity to, to get away from it for a few hours. Some athletes have found a bit of reprieve in that. You know, it's one thing in a, I mean, this is my opinion anyway. I, um, many of the team sports, like a football game, like a basketball or hockey game, they distract you because there's, there's constant action and it's, it's constantly moving and they're reactionary sports. And, um, they're emotional sports in a much different way than the game of golf. The game of golf has so much time in between shots and you're so up close and personal to your, um, playing partners, you know, this year is obviously different, but, but, uh, spectators, um, media members, uh, they're much closer to the, to you in, in the game of golf and there's much more time. So I wonder, how challenging it is for him to focus. I know he referenced yesterday. He saw, you know, it's something as simple. He sees a rainbow and he says, okay. And he immediately thinks of his daughter, Mia. This is a, a really difficult one to kind of discuss. You can't imagine, but I mean, this is literally your worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't imagine what he's gone through. And I, I can't believe he's able to stand up there and compete. So I guess you're right, Rick. I guess he really is finding reprieve, uh, reprieve in that, but I don't, I don't think that it's easy, but I'll tell you what, if he um, cl closes the deal this weekend, which I'm obviously rooting for, uh, if he does that, the emotion that we see is going to be, um, well, I would imagine there's going to be quite a bit of uh, understandable emotion going on there. We can put a bow on Vijegas with his uh, with his rounds of golf. So the, the I, I kind of alluded to this a couple of minutes ago. Uh, KP, since however you want to slice it, since the start of the restart, since the start of the 2020 calendar year, he hasn't played a lot, but he has been statistically like the worst putter on the PGA Tour. He goes out, he gains 3.7 strokes putting in round one. That's the lasered course. That's the seaside course. Uh, obviously don't have his numbers, but he made 29. Uh, it took him 29 putts around the plantation course on Friday. The rest of his game has been strong, right? You brought this up a couple of weeks ago. I think he was like your sleeper or something like that, where you were like, he's ball striking the hell out of it. He just can't putt. Yeah, that was right. Uh, I think he was right around Sanderson and, uh, the the vegas event yeah uh when he when it was like you look at his numbers you're like wait a second he's like <laughs> if you go to data golf and sort by t to green he's he's been really good mm -hmm. and it's a little i guess hideki-ish or ben onish even uh of where you're like if he putts at all like he can legitimately contend so uh, it'll probably come down to that uh just given how well he's been hitting not just this week but but over the last few months um, in case you missed it last week, we're giving away a television. That television is 55 inches. It is not a dumb television. It is a very smart television. And here's what you need to know. If you want a chance to win, the contest is completely free. 
which is my favorite type of contest. To win, go to cbssports.com slash first cut giveaway. That link is in the description of the episode if you're watching on YouTube, as well as in the podcast description on all podcasting platforms. This contest does indeed end on November 23rd, so you have a couple of days left. Looking towards the weekend, gentlemen, Robert Streb is your co-favorite, Greg, at four and a half to one with Harris English. The aforementioned Camilo Vigegas and Patton Kazire, they're both 10 to one. Zach Johnson lurking at 12 to one. Kevin Kisner at 18. We were trying to put some scenarios together uh, before we went hot on who's still in this thing. Where have we, where have we kind of left it at this point? It feels like a small number. You just start doing some math. And let's say you take the the four players that are at 11 under or better. So you have Streb, you have Camillo, you have Bronson Burgoon, and Patton Kazire. Um, they have, with the exception of Bronson, they've all won on the PGA Tour before. So you take those four guys and let, I mean, look, if the lead's at 14 under, if he goes out and shoots uh you know four under tomorrow shoot 66 tomorrow he gets to 18 it, it starts to eliminate players as i said so what do you do if you're at uh if, if you're sitting at seven under like a keith mitchell a joel damon um a charles howell the third you're somebody like that you're in tight 11th typically you'd say well i'm, I'm right there in the mix yet you're seven shots back and all it takes is a, a solid round from one of those four players and and you just feel like you are eliminated so you're gonna to have to go out there and shoot likely a 63 I, th I think you probably have to get to 12 somewhere between 12 and 14 under tomorrow if you're in that seven six uh geez five i mean the five unders are in real trouble but you're gonna to have to get somewhere around that 13 12 12 to 14 under number i think to have a chance going into sunday because these guys are going to somebody. One of those four players is going to shoot a good round. One of those four players is going to get three, four under par, maybe five under par tomorrow. And all of a sudden it can, it can become a real stretch. I, I would not have known this if I didn't just look this up 15 seconds ago, Kyle, do you have any idea the last time Harris English has won a golf tournament? Um, <laughs> I know you love a good trivia question. I want to say, was it Mayakoba? Okay. Yeah, it was actually. Good job. 2013. <laughs> I think it was third. I was going to say 2013. Yeah, 2013 Mayakoba. He won twice that year. So he won Mayakoba and he won uh, the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He has not won since then. He is very clearly uh, the class of, I don't know, the guys who are within striking distance here. We've been talking about him all year long, how great he's been, how how awesome his strokes gain numbers have been. He runs into a buzzsaw uh, called, named Dustin Johnson at the Northern Trust. Uh, it, it would almost be fitting for him to finally get a win now seven years since his last. He's part of that CIM and Mafia too, isn't he? Yeah. And he, yep. and he hasn't played well at this event like ever. Who uh, who was the guy that won it? Was did Hudson Swafford win the American Express in Palm Springs a couple years ago? I think I I think I get those two. That that was where my mind first went. I think I get them mixed up. They seem like <laughs> the, same, the same guy to me. Um, yeah, he's definitely you know, and, and he's cooled off a little bit. Uh, he was the guy around the U.S. Open, 
even at the U.S. Open that you're like, oh, he he's been he's been awesome and like kind of quietly awesome. Like if you weren't if you were only casually paying attention, you're like Harris English. Like didn't I hear about him seven years ago or whatever? <laughs> um, but if you're paying attention, you, you kind of knew that he was hitting the ball really well. I, I think that honestly, like because of the, how many seven unders there are, I think those guys are kind of still in it just because one of them's going to go out and shoot 64, right? Like maybe not, but it, it seems like because of how many there are at seven or better, yeah, that there's got to be a 63, 64, 65 in there somewhere. And then if Streb backs up, I, I think most of those guys are, are still in it. But yeah, English and honestly, Weisberger, maybe I'm just saying him because he was my sleeper for Augusta and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't play great. But uh, th- those are the two that kind of pop out to me. Burns Wiesberger, 28 to one. Thanks to our friends over at William Hill. If you're interested in that Harris English ranked seventh on tour in strokes gain total last season, seventh top 10 player, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Um, while we're talking about guys that I get confused with for the longest time until about a year ago, I confused Robert Streb and Chris Stroud. I could not <laughs> oh, figure that. Those two yeah, out. That's a great, that's a great one. Yeah. I get, uh, Brendan Steele and Kevin Streelman. Oh, Kevin Streelman oh, always wears see, Brent, Brendan Steele and Brendan Todd to me. Those those two get me. <laughs> <laughs> They're both tall. We're we're, we're professional golf <laughs> media people. Yeah. We this ain't no yeah. hobby. We do Confusing. this for a living. <laughs> um, gentlemen, we have to talk about a golfing woods and not necessarily Tiger. And then I want to follow up on a story that we talked about earlier in the week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Charlie Woods making his televised golfing debut right that's fair to say because tiger and his 11 year old son charlie are going to compete in the pnc championship greg this is the event where you know you get the father and son or the daughter and father i'll i have the field here we can talk about it in a second but we are going to see a glimpse of charlie wood's swing which i think i've only seen like twice on instagram maybe and it was chef's kiss pure uh we're gonna see it on television it's really good i mean i mean he's got everything uh, in his favor right he's got a great caddy um great coach he's got all the tools he's got a great swing it, it's really um it, it's fun to watch because i'm with you rick i've seen it a couple times on instagram i saw the most recent one there um charlie came out to medalist a couple times when i was there but he was still 
I mean, you're, he was like seven when I was there. So he wasn't really, um, he, he's developed a lot. He's a lot bigger, of course. And, and um, so I, it's fun to watch. It's going to be really interesting to watch him play because you're watching him with Tiger, who's such a different Tiger. I, I mean, I, I think it back to 2013 when, um, when Harris English is winning at Mayakoba, Tiger Woods <laughs> is not playing in the PNC, <laughs> Father. So, like, he, Tiger's not playing in anything that isn't a, a big time serious event tiger's not showing us anything about who he is as a person he's not letting us in at all and we're seeing a completely different tiger woods we're seeing a a tiger he's a he's a father now and he's starting to realize what you know the relationship between he and his father how much it meant to him and um and giving that to his kids which is really cool so i'm looking forward to seeing that side of tiger um and charlie's going to be fun to watch but i I don't know how much you're really going to gonna get out of that other than he has a great swing as as fun as it's going to be kp it it, i feel like this is going to start a new era right this is going to start the fervor on twitter of like okay now now we're gonna track charlie's career or whatever right and it's so i mean i can't even imagine the expectations on and, and we see this too like lebron james LeBron James's children, right? Like we, like we see the same thing, the expectations, the kid's 11 years old. Let's just have some fun, right? Like, well, we don't, he doesn't have to play golf ever if he doesn't want to, like, I don't know. I don't know what, where my brain's at with all this. Yeah. It's crazy that Greg, that Tiger's a father. I was under the presumption that only Rory McIlroy was a father. On <laughs> right. Was, that's, that's how I thought things were going. Um, yeah. So uh, it, I'm already like just grossed out by it because you know it's going to be like a hundred blog posts. You won't believe what Charlie Woods did on the first hole. I'm like, oh, I probably will. Like, I, I'm, right. I'm pretty sure I will. Um, and, and people are like, oh, well, Tiger was in the spotlight since he was two. And you're like, well, yeah, that's way, that's such a different landscape. Like, that's not the Twitter, Instagram world that we live in. And I, I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to feel weird, but it's, it'll also be cool. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Can it be both things? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, look, no matter what, whether Charlie decided if Charlie didn't play golf and he was a soccer player or um, a chess player or just a, a student and he didn't do anything else, he would still his life. There's nothing about his life. That's going to be what we would call normal, right? Yeah. There's nothing normal about it, no matter what. So I, there's, there's also a difference because it's not really that much pressure for him. It's not like he's expected to become the next Tiger Woods. It's almost known that he's not going to become what his father was. And I think everybody understands that. So my hope is that the expectations aren't too high and we say, Oh, this is really cool. Look, Oh, here's another that we kind of, um, warm-heartedly say oh here's another woods coming to dominate the game of golf without putting any real expectations of a prodigy like a like we did with tiger i don't expect that to happen it shouldn't if it does i I think it's a a mistake um but we'll see where it goes so i i do think it can be fun and a little strange at the same time but look this kid there's nothing normal about his life no matter what he does yeah it's a good point i think tiger's also done a good job of not rolling him out there like at a young age. Oh yeah. 
I mean, think like who could have used really good PR with like playing with their son over the last <laughs> like Tiger Woods could have at, at times. Yeah. And, and he's done a, I think great job of just letting him live his life, you know? And uh, I will say it's kind of sick that he makes him play blades instead of the cavity back. Iron. Did you see this? <laughs> no, yes. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I would bet Charlie what that's a Charlie just wanted wanting to hit those. Can you imagine if uh, Justin Thomas told his dad he had to play blades in the PNC? Oh <laughs> that's pretty neat. I mean, it, it, this reminds me of when I'm like when I feel sick when you know some college offers a 12 year old a scholarship, right, or like a sixth grader a scholarship, and I'm yeah. like this is bad. I don't like this, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, I'm watching, like, you know, I'm tuning in for this. Uh, here's the, here's the rest of the field or just at least some notable. So you mentioned Justin Thomas. So Justin Thomas and his father in the field, Annika Sorenstam and her father, VJ Singh and his son, uh, you're going to get the dailies, John Daly and little John, David Duvall and his son, Jim Furyk and his son. I, I mean, it's, it's a pretty Mark, Matt Kuchar's here, his son, like, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun, Greg. I would watch out for the dailies. Uh, little John is little John's really good. Are you gonna, are you gonna are you gonna check the uh, the betting odds on this field? Uh, no, that would be the most. I'm not that. I'm not going that low, Rick. Come on, these are these are children. There's no betting on children. Okay. Do you think Do you think VJ's son just grinds on the range all day? <laughs> do you think he? They don't play together. They just practice like, together. Yeah, all the other. They just no. They just they just train together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I heard a uh, a story about VJ and somebody went to to TPC Sawgrass and this was a couple of years ago and they were like VJ do you want to play and he had been there forever so come on come play with us and he looked at it with this face like Are you, I can't believe you're asking me he said why maybe the question was did do you ever play he said why why would I play when I could just hit balls all day <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> so that's vj so I, my guess is his his son's a practicer that's incredible i love it um five days ago gentlemen so i want to follow up on a story we talked about four days ago but five days ago in butler cabin andy ogletree said yeah i think i'll be turning pro at some date in the future that date in the future right now because he has turned pro and he has signed an endorsement deal with Titleist. Kyle, we were kind of just jiving on this little, uh, the, the childhood letter that he posted to Twitter, right? That he writes, I don't know how many years ago, but growing up, he wants to play golf. He wants to play with Tiger Woods. He likes Sergio Garcia and Camilo Vigega. Like It's just like uh, the culmination of such an awesome story. Now he's going to be a professional. Yeah, he's... Uh... Yeah, the childhood letter, I, I don't know if people saw it. It's pretty hilarious. He, there's some interesting phrasing. He was, how old was he, like 11? So Nine. it was in it was in, 20, it was in 2008. 12, or yeah, 20, so it was 12 years ago. So how old is he now? Well, I can find out. Yeah, so he's, he's like 22. Five. He was probably 10. I think he was 10. 11. Uh, how, many, how many ones did Harris English have in 2008? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, at Georgia? Or? So... <laughs> I followed it. We might've talked about this briefly last week, but I followed him with Tiger's group a, a little bit at Augusta and he hits the crap out of it because you look at him and you're like, eh, I don't know. You know, he's kind of skinny, kind of <laughs> glasses. You're just like, eh, you know, he looks fine and he hits the hell out of it. And, you know, the, I, I think that 
sometimes we overrate some of these awards for amateurs and, and different things in the amateur game. I think low aim at the masters is actually a really like meaningful thing. Um, as you think about how many AMs have the opportunity to get in and then to, to kind of contend in that small, I, I don't know. It's just, it's super impressive to me. The last 10 years, you got low AMs, uh, Mateo Manacero, Hideki, Cantlay, uh, Guan Tien Long, Oliver Goss, Bryson. Did you say Bryson? Yeah. Bryson, Stuart Agastead, Doug Gim, Victor Hovland, Andy Ogletree. So I, I think that the, I mean, the pedigree is awesome, right? Like it's winning Pinehurst, low am at the Masters. I, I would be surprised if he didn't have, I don't know, a pretty successful pro career. He was 10 at the time he wrote that letter. Um, here, Greg, he reached number four in the world amateur golf rankings. We talked before that he's a two-time All-American uh, at Georgia Tech. We don't know when he'll make that pro debut, but he's going to get a maximum of those seven sponsors exemptions. That's something we've talked about a couple of times with, with guys trying to, to get that status. Uh, and he's one of maybe th- – how many golfers wear glasses? Bill Haas? Dylan Ooh. Fratelli? But Fratelli wears the Oakleys. For, right. Fratellis are like sunglasses. There's, they look, I mean, they're at least a sunglass frame. So, man, there's not, there's not many. He's a rare, in a rare class. I, I'd have to do a little more looking into that, but there's not many. David yeah. Sunglasses. Sunglasses yeah. all the time. Stenson sunglasses. all. There's, there's a lot more sunglasses. Zach Johnson. Tom Kite. Producer Jacob says Tom Kite back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. But this this kid's uh, obviously Greg bright future ahead. Um, I mean, the pedigree that that Kyle was kind of listing out or the peers is is a top notch list. Yeah, we'll see how this goes for him. Um, I'm not expecting I saw him play in the USAM. It was it was great. He's a great player and I expect he'll be a PGA Tour player. Um, But is he going to be a get your card without going through the Corn Ferry Tour? I'm not sure. I, I don't believe so. I, I think he's going to ha- use his seven sponsor exemptions. Um, and, and I think he'll end up in uh, Corn Ferry Tour, uh, maybe Q School. Maybe he'll get an exemption to the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, so, but I, I think you're going to see him playing out there next year and may pret- potentially earn his card. He's definitely somebody that I'll be watching, but I, I don't know if he's, if he's ready for to go get his PGA tour card in those seven starts. Yeah, I, that's I, a, a very small list. I, I don't know if he's in that list. I think that's probably right. I mean, I, <laughs> that's a, I mean, it's pretty special. All-star, all-star list. I mean, it's Rom, Bryson, Speed. Like it's, it's a very special thing. And while I think he's probably going to be a good pro for most normal pros, even as special as that category is, there's still a learning curve. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with Fred. That's why it's called a developmental tour for a reason, right? You go develop your game. Justin Thomas went to that tour, and it's uh, – I don't know, Kyle. Do you think it's worked out for him? I mean, he, yeah, I mean, 25 wins in the next decade. They, I put it it's yeah. in the bag, so. He's going to be he, – he's going to be like a 40-time winner on the PGA Tour at least. I got to – I need to like, – I need producer Jacob to amend the audio there. I meant 15, not 25. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we know. We'll know. We'll remember. Um, real quick, quick hitter on the way out. Kevin Stadler got DQ'd today for signing the wrong scorecard. When are we doing away with paper scorecards? Right? Like, this has got to go. Was there any fear of her 
DJ and Austin Johnson, like not like there's a lot going on into the masters at you adding, you're doing a lot of math. Adding. <laughs> no, see, that's a, you don't have to add you, you signing a correct scorecard doesn't mean you have to get the total score, right? You have to get the number in each box, right? Okay. Which is, you know, it, it is as, as I say this, that's the way the rule is. And I'm, I, I'm a fan of rules. You got to have rules. I think it's important, <laughs> but you have to get the right number in the right box when you have multiple volunteers on every hole, keeping track of not just the score you made, but to the 10th of a yard, how far you are from the hole. So it's just, it's a very bizarre thing that the, the amount of money that these guys are playing for, they can be, they can be kicked out of an event. They can go home with a zero because they wrote a three and the, they wrote a three in one box, a four in another box, and it needed to be reversed. I mean, imagine that happening in the NBA. LeBron's like, I don't know what the score is. And you're like, well, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you lose and you're out of the playoffs now. Um, Like, okay, aren't there – I know they're volunteers and they're usually like kids that walk with them with like the score. And I know that's just for fans, but like can't we just get like two guys to walk with the group and keep track of everybody's score? Well, I, I don't get it. Well, the problem is like the bifurcation thing again, right? Like yeah. even, even in – like on professional tours, you're not going to have the, the number of volunteers – at even a corn fairy event, much less like a challenge tour event. Yeah. But does do- it have to be, if you do it on the PGA tour, does it have to be done on the corn fairy tour event and the PGA, uh, the, the McKenzie tour, does it have to be all the way down the line? Can it, that's one thing that can be, it's not that big of a difference, right? You play a corn fairy tour. You, oh, you're keeping your score today. You got to make sure you keep your score accurately today. Yeah. It's I just, know. I think, I think it's hard because everything's just adjudicated by the same governing body. Like, like the PGA tour adjudicates all, like all these tours nearly. Right. Uh, and so it just gets, I don't know. It, I, I like what we've seen with golf. There's, if there's a reason to not do something, people will take it. And also maybe it doesn't matter because like three times a year, someone does this. The Cameron Tringali's done it like twice in the last three years, but that's about it. Like maybe it doesn't matter. Just sign the scorecard. Sign your correct scorecard, I guess. Yeah, that's the other side of the argument. It's not that hard to get right. <laughs> right. It's not that hard. Uh, even Kevin Na got like his 15 right. It's not that it hard. just seems like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. That, maybe that's the punishment the doesn't fit the crime, right? Just you're like a two-shot out of the event because you – yeah, I mean, we can get this. We can figure this out. We can make it right. We're going to get Bryson out there. Uh, he'll, he has to do this for everybody, though. <laughs> uh all right gentlemen that's it we're coming back sunday to break down the rsm classic maybe it's bob strep maybe it's camilla vajegas maybe it's burned Wiesberger. who knows golf's weird who knows uh for now let me thank greg ducharme who you can find on twitter at the real gfd let me thank kyle porter who you can find at kyle porter cbs producer jacob behind the glass you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time